dear brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, I welcome you to this week's edition of the St. Jude Parish Chatter. Of course, I'm here with Deacon Joe. Hello, Deacon. Hello. Deacon, we are making our way through Lent, and yeah. it's coming up on the halfway mark of Lent. Uh, that makes you think of all of the practices that we do for Lent. What, do you, what have you been doing for Lent? What's it like for you? Well, uh, uh, of course, I get, I get to go to stations more often since I'm actually serving at stations, but uh, that's kind of an extra added benefit. But uh, for me, I really, uh, uh, I, I'm a person who likes to do something for Lent. So, so one of the things I'm trying to get back to is a little more spiritual reading. I kind of dropped oh. away from that. So I'm good I'm for you. Putting a Can focus you give on any that. recommendations to everybody of something they might pick up? Well, I'm gonna reading? try to read the uh, continuing the the second half of that Laudato uh, uh, C from the Pope. Mm. But the uh, Archdiocese also sent us a, a couple of different books. Uh, around the first of the year, and I'm, I'm trying to read some of those too. So, I've been recommending to people recently the Gospel of Mark. So yeah, we're in cycle B, and throughout this year we are reading from Mark's Gospel. But Mark just has this way of presenting Jesus in kind of a straightforward fashion, almost mm -hmm. flat-footed, like here he is. And yep. this is who Jesus is. It's the shortest of all of the Gospels. And I've found that to be fruitful in people's lives. Just pick up the Gospel of Mark, start at the beginning and read to the end. It's beautiful spiritual reading because it, it reveals to us who is Jesus, which is a, a, a question that all of us should have an answer for. He is the second person of the Trinity. He's the Messiah, our Savior, the one by whom we're able to come into eternal life. And he loves us. One, one thing I'm, I, I do during Lent, too, is uh, I have a, a priest friend back in Texas, and we started that uh, when he was uh, my pastor, and we uh, kind of uh, do a Lenten buddy system where we check in with each other through Lent. And so I told him about my reading, and he told me he's going to work on fasting, so we're going to... Uh, we pray for each other, and every so often now we we don't get to, we either call or, or we email each other. Hey, how are things going this week? So it keeps us accountable, but also gives us somebody to feel like you're uh, sharing that with. Father Clinton, I have that much in common. I've been focusing more on fasting as well in this Lent, and so two days a week I'm doing a fast until three in the afternoon. Water in the mornings, but until three, I'm I'm avoiding anything um, solid, and then I can have a, a meal later. So. Um, yeah, just atoning for sins in the world. And yeah, there's plenty to atone for. And yeah. so um, it's funny how you kind of get used to it after a little while. It's like, oh yeah, it's a fast day. No wonder I feel hungry. Mm -hmm. and for forget about it again for a little while. Speaking of people going hungry, who is our sponsor for this week? Well, our sponsor for this week is the Easter Food Drive. The Christian Service Committee is collecting food for Easter food basket for those in need. So they're asking our parishioners to please bring non-perishable, unexpired food items to the barrels in the gathering space for this purpose. There are also some carts here in the parish office they can bring by food here too uh, during regular office hours. And they'll be collecting food until Sunday, March the 10th. Excellent. So, um, yeah, please consider feeding the poor, and this is a great way to do that. Almsgiving is a part of uh, a mark of Lent. Mm -hmm. Instead of giving money, we can give food, and this is a great opportunity to be able yeah. to do that. And it's, it's, it, this is the first parish I've been in where they really focused on doing that for Easter, and I thought that was just a wonderful thing. Blessed be God. Yeah. Well, our readings for this weekend um, are rich, of course, but the first reading has the Ten Commandments. And as we get ready for the parish's penance service coming up, I thought that we should do the first reading, Deacon Joe, instead of the Gospel. Would you be willing to read that one sure, for us? So sure, sure. The, the first reading for us for, from this weekend. Okay. A reading from the book of Exodus. 
In those days God delivered all these commandments. I, the Lord, am your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery. You shall not have other gods besides me. You shall not carve idols for yourself in the shape of anything in the sky, uh, sky above or the earth below or in the waters beneath the earth. You shall not bow before them or worship them, for I, the Lord, am your God and uh, am a jealous God inflicting punishment for their father's wickedness on their children of those who hate me, down to the third and fourth generation, but bestowing mercy down to the thousandth generation on the children of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave unpunished the one who takes his name in vain. Remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. Six days may you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord your God. No work may be done then either by you or your son or daughter or your male or female slave or your beast or by the alien who lives with you. In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, that you may have a long life in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male or female slave, nor his ox or ass, nor anything else that belongs to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Deacon, the first image that jumps out to me is, I am the Lord your God. To keep the commandments, we have to have a sense of who God is. And sometimes in my own prayer life, I uh, want to make a sacrifice, and I will uh, pray especially for um, that God would be receiving a, an atonement for sins against the first commandment. So many people forget about God. They live as if God doesn't exist. Yeah. Sometimes you people even say, oh yeah, I believe in God. But the way that they live their lives looks exactly like the pagans who live around them. They are focused upon this world. And, and that offends God because I am the Lord your God. And then there are these beautiful subsets of recognizing who God is. Um, you shall not carve in, uh, images. You shall not have other gods besides me. Actually, that not carve image is, is worth a little, uh, a little explanation because our Protestant friends like to accuse us of carving images. Mm -hmm. We have beautiful statues in oh, our churches yeah. throughout the entire world. And they, they, um, sometimes we feel accused when they say, hey, you're, you're worshiping an image. Mm -hmm. um, you want to give a response to that? Yeah, I do. I had a, a, a father, my father Tom Ponzini, one of my pastors, uh, kind of address that in a, in a little bit different way because uh, sometimes like especially for younger children like we're getting ready to make first reconciliation he would meet with them in the church and explain some of the different things in church to them and some of them had a lot of questions about statues and I often think that sometimes uh, from parents or other kids or whatever some of that same thing came up and he, he compared the statues to like uh, of course, now we keep all our pictures on our phone, but back in the day, we kept them in our wallet. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, did your mom or dad keep any pictures of you in their wallet? 
And they would go, well, yeah. He says, well, and they keep my sister or there may be my grandparents' pictures. He says, well, we don't have those pictures of the saints or of Jesus or whatever that we can, you know, like that. So the statues are almost like the pictures in our wallet. The uh, home screen is one that I use for people. So on oh, yeah, your computer yeah. at home, what, what is on your home screen? And often they will have pictures of their families, but sometimes there's other things that are very important to them. Mm -hmm. And so when I accused of uh, worshiping idols, I say, well, what's on your home screen? And they might say, oh, my family's on the home screen. Well, that's idolatry, I would tell them. You can't have that on your home screen. <laughs> they would say, no, I'm not worshiping the computer, nor am I even worshiping the, the picture. I'm, I'm loving the children. And that's a reminder of how much I love the children. Right. And it's the same with our statues within the church. They are reminders of celestial realities. And so we are just using them as tools to be able to bring us from this world to the heavenly world as a reminder that there are saints that, yes, lived in this world heroically, but they're not in this world anymore. They're in heaven. Right. And those statues inside of the church, the church should be a reminder of heaven. It's not just a, it's something like the rest of the world. We shouldn't look like a shopping mall. We should look like a little bit of heaven. And in heaven, there will be great saints around us and the light comes in through the saints. That's why you'll often see stained glass windows that have um, oh, yeah. saints in them. It's because the light of Christ is coming in through the example that comes from the saints. So it is okay to have statues. That's not the same as carving an image. If we're worshiping something, uh, a, 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 another image, and I won't get into condemning those who do so, but um, there are people who worship um, some things of this world. And that's what's being condemned here. We worship God and we honor the saints, and it's yeah. not the same. Yeah, and, it, and it, we need those important reminders because I can know there there are different uh, patron saints. It's sometimes if I see a picture or a stained glass window or a statue, and it's like it helps remind me to to seek their intercession, or or maybe I know part of their story where they had a struggle, and it helps helps me in my struggles too. In this first commandment, the the Lord um, also creates the consequences of not being faithful. Um, I will inflict punishment to the third and fourth generation, but bestowing mercy down to the thousandth generation on those who keep my commandments. Um, that's one that I, I have to take to prayer often. Um, mm -hmm. And I actually have had a lot of consolation there because it doesn't seem fair, does it, that to the third and fourth generation this would happen. And often with souls that I'm helping to make their way to heaven, they're experiencing things that aren't their fault things that sometimes their parents have done to them. So, for example, in a, a child that grew up in an alcoholic family, the boundaries are always shifting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's very strict and you can't do anything. And at other times it's wide open. You can do whatever you want and it can be very confusing to them. And, yeah. and in adulthood, they can have trouble with boundaries, not knowing when to say no and how to hold them to that, to that line. And that's not their fault. Right. They're in, inheriting something from the third and fourth generation above them. And um, yeah, that can be troubling to me, but here's the consolation I've received and maybe I'll give uh, our listeners some consolation too. That is God is God and that's his providence. It's not my place to decide if this is just or unjust or condemned up to condemn God for allowing someone to suffer because of someone else's sins. Mm -hmm. um, I let God be God and who am I to have to know why this is happening? And I have to trust that he's going to bring something good from every bit of imperfection that might be taking place in other souls' lives. 
Um, there is no evil that God cannot bring some good from. Uh -huh. But the beautiful part to not be forgotten is that the, the blessings go to the thousandth generation. Yeah. In scripture terms, that just means endless. You can't get done with the blessings that will come to those who keep the commands of the law of God. So never forget the blessings of God. We get preoccupied with the troubles we've got and, and mm -hmm. how, how come this is happening to me? But never forget that there are blessings that we have received and we are called to send down to generations that will come down after us. Definitely. Definitely. What's the second commandment, Deacon? Let's see. Oh, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Hmm. We often think of the guy driving the backhoe in the construction site, and he's taking God's name in vain because something went wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that's so venial. He's not even thinking about what he's doing. No. It's, I think, much more of a, a grave sin to claim to be a Christian and then to not live the Christian life. There are universities that do this all the time. The sign out in front says Catholic University, and then they look absolutely um, secular, mm -hmm. and they make decisions that can be even more pagan than the pagan uh, than the um, secular universities in the area. I think that's a greater offense against the second commandment yeah. than when you hear somebody just saying a little word that um, that is uh, part of what they call it the Limbrith, Limbrith system, mm -hmm. where the um, mind gives a response because something shocked them. Right. It's not thought through. Right. Um, it's much more serious when we've thought it through and we've decided that we're going to take God's name and use it in vain. Or those, you know, I've seen it happen sometimes where people get angry at God, but it, it almost to the point of where it consumes them. And in their anger, they, they speak against God. Mm -hmm. and, uh, sometimes more by their actions than yeah, by their words. Yeah. Deciding not to go to Mass, for example, because yeah. I'm mad at God for something. Yeah. This is a, taking the Lord's name in vain. Mm -hmm. Once again, God is God, and who are we to decide um, how we have to punish God for yeah. not doing what we want? We're His creatures, and our call is to love Him. Amen. Yeah. So I mentioned not going to Sunday Mass. That's the third commandment, isn't it, Michelle? Yo, keep holy the Sabbath day. Keep holy yeah. the Sabbath day. See you at Sunday Mass. Yep. Yep. Yeah. What's the fourth one? Oh, honor your father and mother that you may have a long life in the mm -hmm. land which the Lord God is giving you. So there's a... A, a blessing mm -hmm. with that one. Yeah, so the first commandment has a um, the punishment, but the fourth commandment has the blessing. So here we're transitioning to the commandments of one another. These are horizontal. So honor your father and your mother is the first of the commandments about how we should treat each other. The first three commandments are about God. The last seven are about how we treat each other, and the first one carries a blessing with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then we have the the uh, the kind of the the basic list of the others. You know, the you shall not kill, uh, not commit adultery, not steal, not bear false witness against your neighbor about lying, um, and then that that covet. Uh, what 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 do you have for a definition of covet? Because sometimes mm -hmm. when you hear that, people are kind of going like. They kind of sort of know what it means, but... Yeah, to take as your own, so to, to rob that which is holy and make it your own. The church holds that covet language because of the source of covenant. The covenant is a God-sized contract, the agreement between God and man. And the sign of the new covenant is the Eucharist, the body and blood of Jesus Christ received every week. And marriage is a sacred covenant. Mm -hmm. And so if we covet, we are destroying that covenant. We are creating something quasi-holy for ourselves, and we're going to take that for ourselves, whether that's uh, our neighbor's wife or even our neighbor's goods. Those are, to, those are holy things that are to be respected as belonging to God. Mm -hmm. 
right, thank you. So I hope you can consider coming to the penance service that we're going to be having here at, at St. Jude's. And if this little examination of conscience has triggered something, you've got some good material to bring with you to the, to the penance service. Amen to that. All right, Father, would you extend God's blessing for us today? The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless us, protect us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.